0: Hey, what's up everyone, it's Dimitar from Heresy and you're listening to the Heresy Podcast, the show where we talk about building, scaling, and of course, running high-growth SaaS businesses. Today, I'm joined by Andrews from OutFunnel. Andrews is, in my opinion, one of the best, if not the best growth marketers in Europe. Before launching OutFunnel, he was the chief marketing officer at Pipedrive, where he grew the customer base from almost zero to hundreds of thousands of users globally. Today's episode is short and sweet and absolutely packed with practical advice. Tune in to find out why Andrews thinks cold email is no longer as effective as it once was and what he can do to make direct outreach better, as well as Andrews' very own framework for determining what marketing channel would be best for your business. All right, boys and girls, this is it. Lean back and uh, enjoy the show, here we go. Let's start with a brief introduction um, so people who don't know who you are if you could just tell us yeah who you are and uh, what you do.
1: Yeah excellent happy to. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a marketer. I've been in marketing for for 21 years which is a, a long time by some, by some measures. started out in, in the kind of traditional marketing, fast with consumer goods and media, these sorts of things and then about 12 13 years ago I shifted to technology because I thought that it's all done in the, in the traditional world. And then uh, had the various uh, marketing roles at Skype uh, here in Tallinn where I'm based and also uh, mostly in the London office. Uh, and I think I was mostly working with converting free users to paid there. So I've been in the subscriptions space for a long time. Uh, and then for the last eight or so years, I've been uh, marketing different uh, SaaS products. Uh, my, my previous job was helping Pipedrive grow from from zero to more than 75,000 paying customers as, a, as head of marketing. Uh, and, and now, at the end of last year, I, I founded Outfunnel, which is a, a marketing automation tool that plugs into uh, CRMs super easily.
0: Yeah. How long have you been working on Outfunnel?
1: Roughly six months. I think I started the, uh, preparations a bit earlier and started building a bit later, but yeah, roughly six months.
0: Awesome. Cool. And we had a bunch of different ideas about what we're going to talk about today. We kind of settled on one which you recommended actually, which is the state of cold automated emails in 2018. And you had very strong opinions uh, around why we're slowly but surely killing collectively that channel. So um, I wanted to turn over to you and then have you uh, talk about this particular topic.
1: So cold emails—it's—it's it's not my favorite topic or the topic I, <laughs> but I think it's—I uh, think as 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 a marketer, as somebody who's kind of in the crossroads right now, as I am between sales and marketing, I think it's a topic that should be discussed. So first, I think cold emails are very efficient and very effective. There's no, there's no, uh, there's no doubt about that. Sure, it's uh, because email, sending an email costs next to nothing, and and you know, being marked as a, as a spammer doesn't literally uh, or directly cost that much. But I think it's yeah. effective and efficient in the same way that if you're in a swimming pool and if you want to take a, a pee, then peeing in the <laughs> swimming pool is a very efficient way of of, <laughs> of, of getting rid of your worries right, at, at at the time. Um, but if we all do it, we're gonna we're gonna just ruin it. Uh, and I think, uh, as a as a as a marketer, also as a as an end user, as a target user of certain products, I can just uh, see how, how this approach is increasingly uh, turning people off email. And uh, and uh, I think
0: yeah. And there's been so other you ones. There too, yeah, sorry. You, you had, think there are too many people? You think there are too many people peeing in the swimming pool?
1: I my I, I that's my opinion. And I actually have some uh, some some stats uh, to, to to shed some light on it so uh, when Please I left, when I left by trip I left my uh, my uh, email inbox on so it wasn't switched off there was an auto-reply, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, but the email still kept coming in uh, and yeah. then um, uh, over five months I received like, I think 12 uh, 1200 emails or so and roughly half of them were uh, were cold emails. Wow. That's a lot of kind of mental training. And also like, and if, which kind of, it's, it's just a number. But if you then uh, um, look deeper, and I haven't done the full analysis yet, it's a post in the making. But some companies had emailed me uh, several times per week for six months in a row. Like, I had not opened any emails. I had not clicked on any emails. But yeah. still they kept on sending emails. And some of these companies were actually big, reputable companies. Some even had mm-hmm. the, the word "data" in their kind of <laughs> company name. Um, so it's—I uh, think that's not really uh, the, the best. I mean, it's, it's an effective way and uh, maybe an efficient way to win customers, but uh, I think we can do better. I, th- I think. Yeah. also, I think so, we have to do better.
0: Yeah. So how, how do we do better then? So I understand the problem. Everyone's been in the swimming pool. Water is getting contaminated. It's not fun for anyone to swim anymore. So uh, how how do you fix it?
1: i think there's there's different ways to to do it um, one i think is to uh i mean and there's this i don't have the, the the best answer or the the singular best answer but i think there's a different options which I, i'm seeing different companies do well mm-hmm. so one is to be uh, creative uh, which sounds of course easier than it is done but uh, just just last week, I noticed a blog post. I think it was a company called Ramp T-Shirt who did yeah. uh, an email campaign, uh, which was targeted. And so they sell T-shirts on demand. And what they did is, mm-hmm. um, in their first uh, cold, and, and also in the first, in their only cold email, they um, took the logo of the company that they were emailing to and they overlaid this logo on the CEO of the company as if uh, he was wearing a T-shirt of the company that the email was going to. Uh, and mm-hmm. the text was also quite witty and clever. And it had really good mm. response rates. Uh, it drove some sales to them. It got some uh, social media love. So I think that's a good creative example of how you can do cold email, rather uh, we just thinking about it uh, a, a little and then doing some tech work. Mm. I think another good approach is also to be, uh, to be you know, super personalized. Like another company I, I recently talked to they did uh, like a very personal email to each of their leads. And I think they had the benefit of uh, of, of uh, being in a vertical where information about leads was quite freely available. So it was a bit easier for them, but it's it definitely uh, something that can be done uh, by anybody. Mm.
0: Um, so just to be clear, you're not saying we should all stop sending cold emails. It's just... Uh, the recommendation here is to start doing better code emails
1: so so one of the yeah one of the things I, I, I you can I do i think better you can do uh, more targeted you can uh, you can pay for people to uh, to read and respond to your email which i think you can do with, with platforms such as earn.com etc um, and you can i think also be uh, more targeted so instead of buying uh, lists and, and and sending emails to as many people as possible you can maybe do a better uh, analysis and and targeting it before you even start sending emails.
0: Yeah. I, I- you know, my concern with this is that, um, you know, it's what you said earlier, the fact that there are so many bad cold emails, I think, puts all of us at risk, even if you're sending a very targeted and very personalized email, the, the fact that it's perceived by the um, the receiver as a cold email I think a lot of people basically will just put it in the same bucket, and they will not even bother reading it because they're used to getting, as you said, two to three emails per week from the same company. So they will just assume just because it's a cold email, it has to be uh, crap, it has to be spam, and not even give it a a chance. How how do you how do you solve that problem?
1: Uh, could could you could you repeat the question? Sorry.
0: So I was just saying. Uh... The, you know, Going off your earlier point, that you know, because way too many people are doing it, in the head of your uh, average email receiver now, any cold email that comes in, no matter whether it's personalized or not, the fact that it's unsolicited cold email basically means that in their head it has to be bad and therefore they won't even bother reading anything that comes in, even if it's a personalized and targeted email. That's the the concern uh, uh, that I have. Gotcha,
1: yeah, I think that, and then, and I, I don't know what's a good way to to get around that. Apart from we all need to behave better, we all need to be better humans. <laughs> because I'm actually struggling with the same uh, with the same uh, issue as I'm now doing, kind of uh, onboarding emails uh, for people who so are yeah. like crowdfunding, which is like a handful of uh, of companies every day, and. Uh, I realized that like, sometimes when I and I, I all of my emails are uh, are organic, <laughs> this are not automated because at this stage I don't know what to automate yet. Um, yeah. Uh, and sometimes when I'm gonna looking at at the email I'm gonna uh, send to somebody who has recently signed up for Outfunder, I'm realizing actually their perception of this email might be that this is an automated email because uh, because uh, so many uh, similar emails probably reach them and. Uh if I also want to keep an email uh short, I think as as is best practice I can not I c I can't I don't have any room to prove this is an organic handwritten email. <laughs> uh so yeah. so yeah, I think I don't think there's a good there's a good way around it. Uh, unless we, we all start behaving slightly differently.
0: Cool. Any any more thoughts and data on, on, on the subject of code email and why we're we all ruining it? Or shall we move on to something else?
1: Um and maybe also this worth worth adding that um like in that, uh, one of the things which I noticed when I was doing my first look through of the of the of the pipe drive uh, uh, email inbox, which wasn't in active use, was that was that companies just didn't stop emailing, even if uh, if mm-hmm. I wasn't responding or uh, or uh, even opening the emails, uh, and that I think in two thousand and eighteen is just just lame. Or just lazy, uh, lazy marketing. I think that's 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 a simple thing which almost anybody can do. That's what 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 90% of companies sending emails can do, just by tweaking a setting in their email inbox. If if you haven't uh, get if you haven't gotten any responses back for I don't know, maybe it's five emails, uh, maybe it's three emails, then you should just stop. Um, I think it's it's fair. Like yeah. uh, Steljeft has put it well uh, once. I think uh, I've listened to. I don't remember where he said it, but he said that you should always continue to follow up if you've had a positive response uh, or positive interaction with somebody in the past. So if you met somebody at mm-hmm. the event, you had a very good conversation, uh, there's no reason to stop following up until you've heard back from them. I think that makes yeah. there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. But I don't think it gives marketers or sales development reps the right to just keep on spamming uh, somebody uh, if they haven't heard back. So I, I don't think that same... Logic carries over to cold emails which are unsolicited.
0: So you're recommending uh, cutting the campaign after, say, three to five emails if no one gets back to you?
1: I, I, would, I, would, uh, I would really love everybody for, to do that. Um, and perversely, then, the, the companies that then set the limit to 10 emails, they may see in the short term uh, better results, but uh, I would like to think that, uh, I mean, I think we've had many privacy uh, scandalous We have GDPR. Um, I'm, I'm, mm. I think more and more people um, are discovering the ability to just mark things as junk rather than unsubscribe, So, yeah, so I, I would, I would like to believe that the companies said, "Don't do that." They will, um, they will, they will see the effects of, of doing that um, themselves.
0: Cool. One other thing I wanted us to quickly talk about was the, the talk that you did at Sasta. So you you gave a, a great talk on how to approach marketing at an early stage startup. Um, you gave a very interesting framework of how to think about it. So I was hoping you can quickly talk us through that framework.
1: Oh yeah, happy to. That's my, one of my favorite topics these days.
0: <laughs> Excellent. <laughs>
1: uh, and it, I think that uh, it was framed as a... As a as a framework for early stage companies, but I think kind of the principles apply uh, to almost any company. Um, yeah. And this uh, and this this um, it started as a blog post, which was my kind of uh, written answer to to people uh, every now and then coming and asking me, said, "Hey, uh, we've uh, launched this MVP. Like, how do I start marketing? Which channels should I use?" And then I mm. um, and I th- then I kind of uh, after giving this answer or trying to give an answer to this question dozens of times. Uh, then I've discovered that the best answers uh, usually come when I start from category awareness. That uh, in the category where the company operates or where you operate, are people aware uh, of of the category of solutions out there? So uh, do yeah. like if, if somebody is uh, busy, do they know that there's time tracking apps or prioritization apps? Um, and mm-hmm. um, uh, and uh, if uh, if people are category aware, like certain uh, channels such as search or kind of paid directory sites tend to work best because people are already searching for a solution. But if you're selling something completely new, such as, I mean, let's say uh, Airtable, which is uh, a bit like a spreadsheet, a bit like a project management tool, a bit like a database, then uh, there's no category awareness there. Then nobody's searching for uh, products that are a little bit like a database and a little bit like a project management tool. Mm. Uh, So then... then, uh, Then I think the role of marketing is to really, uh, or the role of advertising, at least, is to is to uh, uh, not target people that are already searching, but to to interrupt people who are not searching. And then, uh, if that's true, then channels like social, be it free or paid, or uh, or good old PR or viral marketing, tend to have the best results. Um, And there's no, there's seldom there is kind of a clear cut, uh, like only. Category where people in target audience or only category unaware people in the audience. Usually, um, most companies are kind of a bit hybrid, mm-hmm. but, uh, but only. Also, usually one of these sides dominates. Yeah. Um,
0: and there was an extra dimension to your framework, right? There was the category awareness, and then there was another axis. Oh yeah. Can you talk about the the other axis?
1: Yeah, happy to. Um, I, I, I thought you'd never you'd never ask. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, and the, the other uh, dimension is category urgency. So uh, a good example here is uh, gym memberships, where category awareness is uh, pretty high all year long. Like we all know what a gym means, uh, whether it's uh, July or or September. But category urgency mm-hmm. is really high uh, in the first two weeks of uh, of September. I think mm-hmm. similarly for uh, for many software products, category awareness is very high, but uh, but i know that in many uh, in uh, in a lot of uh, different categories sign up seem to be the highest uh, in the, also in the first two weeks of january or maybe uh, in the beginning of quarters in the beginning of quarters where where budgets open yeah so are certain trigger points external events that uh, that they increase category uh, urgency uh, and then uh, yeah and, and then if you plot kind of category awareness on one axis and category urgency on another uh, axis then uh, I think um, these two factors together uh, help to make the best uh, kind of uh, first peak of channels uh, mm-hmm. which, which channels broadly uh, give the best results
0: and so can you give us so you would basically have low awareness and low urgency which kind of seems like a dead zone and then you have high awareness and high urgency which is presumably where you really want to be uh, but can you give us uh, some channels for for each of those quadrants. Mm-hmm.
1: So, so low channel and uh, and low urgency is not really a dead zone, but just means that there you really need to use something like display advertising or advertising on right. Facebook or PR. Like people are not searching for you, nobody's aware of you, nobody's searching for you, and there's no urgency um, around it. But so you then you need to create the urgency. You need to either. Show them that there's a better way. You need to inspire people with your marketing message, mm-hmm. or you need to to um, remind people of their pain. Right, and then then it's, it's it's so it's definitely a dead zone. But just kind of that means that that you definitely need to operate in an area where you need to interrupt people. Uh, and then the opposite of that is if you have a uh, high awareness and high urgency. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take um, I don't know, gym memberships in January, or let's take I think. I'm now working in uh, in the marketing automation space. Pretty high awareness, mm-hmm. uh, and also like pretty high, pretty high uh, urgency uh, all all year long. Uh, in that space, uh, people are every day typing in marketing automation tool for SMB, so marketing automation tool for X, Y, and Z into Google. Yep. So uh, while I could also do viral stunts and uh, really focus on PR and maybe do beautiful display ads. Uh, it's much more efficient uh, and effective for me to to just make sure that people who are searching for marketing automation tools already that they find me. So that uh, that there's yeah like, uh, channels which really help you uh, increase findability. So on the one axis, on the one mm-hmm. extreme, there's interruptions, and the one on the other extreme, there's uh, findability. And I think findability. Uh, some people use the word visibility, which I think is also grammatically uh correct <laughs> i don't know if they for, with, with the they if they weren't findability actually exists in english but i think um, mm, but i think I think sense. visibility is, is just it's it's not active enough it's it's kind of too passive uh the example i gave in this after talk was that if you're standing outside somebody's house naked yes kind of you're you visible <laughs> what's the point like you really want to be, <laughs> the point is to be findable if they start searching for you then they'll find you
0: right even if you're not naked i presume
1: uh, it depends on what you sell, of course. Your mileage may vary.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I, I suppose uh, we should wrap it on, uh, on this note. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been great having you on the show, man. Lots of interesting insights. And um, well, hopefully we'll have you on a future episode. Um, good luck without Fano. And yeah, we'll chat, we'll chat soon.
1: Excellent. Thank you for having me. And, uh, and uh, good luck with, uh, with the podcast at Heresy. Thanks, man.